Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome back to another episode of the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast. Took a day off for Memorial Day. We are back talking about another position group during our summer scouting series. And that position group, we are moving on to tight ends, which is an exciting class. It's got one supremely talented player at the top in Michael Mayer, who we're going to talk about today. It's got another very talented player who we haven't seen much of, but are going to get get to see more of him this season in Eric Gilbert, the former LSU, now Georgia tight end. So as we've done so far, we've done these prospect comparison shows. And now we're going to do that for the first tight end pairing on today's episode. Ryan, are you excited to talk about these guys? I mean, yeah, today is going to be a really fun one, I think, because I, I mean, we're going to talk a lot about Mayer, obviously. But I mean, if Gilbert hits near his potential, then he's definitely in the conversation atop the class. There's no question about that at all. And I'm excited about this week in general because. I think there's a lot of projection that needs to happen with this class a little bit, but there's a lot of traits, man. I mean, there's guys that we're not even going to get to this week that are really talented football players. Like, I don't even think we're talking about like Benjamin Urasek out of, out of Stanford this week because we just didn't have enough time. And Dalton Kincaid out of Utah was an All-American on the division uh, FCS level. FCS. Excuse me. Yeah, I'm FCS. sorry. I almost said Division Two. I, I forgot. I, no, that was, I wasn't clowning FCS. I, I just for a sure. second thought. Sure. I, for, I for a second forgot that san diego was an fcs school and not a uh i thought they were division Ouch. for a second no, um right put some, uh yeah so put some respect on on josh johnson's name i'm, I'm trying man i'm trying oh and, and jim harbaugh too and jim former, harbaugh yes mm-hmm. yes well all that to say though man is there's a lot of talented players that we weren't even able to get to this week there is one player that i think is pretty much a slam dunk player and there's a lot of projection after it but I mean, overall, again, a couple of names that we haven't weren't able to get to. There's a kid like Brevin Span Ford, who's a 6'7", 270-pound kid out of Minnesota. Holy like, there's crap. Yeah, man, he's actually a decent athlete, Joe. Like, he can run a little bit for 6'7", 270. So there's a lot of talent in, talent in this group, man. There's a lot of projection outside of the, the very top of the class, but could end up being a really good tight end group if a few of these guys hit. And, and I think talking about these two guys really sets us up for – an interesting week because both these players are in the conversation one way more than the other for who the best in the class is. But as you're talking about with Eric Gilbert, he has a lot of potential and we're going to talk about that on today's show. Before we do though, folks, I just want to tell you about bet online. Our partners at bet online continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA and NHL playoffs, 
Major League Baseball fights, and even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head to their website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code BELIEVE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, Ryan. So Michael Mayer hitting and going into him first. Yep. Watching him, I have to say, immediately the first thing that stands out to me is his size and his build. And I, I was thinking about one thing we have to consider when talking about these tight ends, because you're talking about guys that were sophomores last year, a good number of these guys. People, I think, need to acknowledge developing as a tight end might be one of the most difficult positions to physically develop into. A lot of these kids are recruited. Some of them were like offensive linemen. Some of them were uh, wide receivers coming out of high school and they get moved to tight end. Some of those that were tight end recruits don't really have the weight and the strength to be an effective blocker at the level for them to be dominant. But a guy like Michael Mayer comes in immediately as a freshman, almost already developed into the body of a junior coming out for the NFL draft. And to see a player of this build and to know that he's been doing the things that he was able to do for two years, it's scary to watch this guy because I, I think he's probably the most well-rounded tight end prospect we've had in a very, very long time as a blocker and as a receiver. Yeah, I think the body type is an interesting way to start the conversation, Joe, honestly, because, I mean, I posted a picture of him in high school the other day. He went to a, a school in Kentucky, Covington Catholic, and – I mean, honestly, and this is this is sometimes hype, you know, hyperbole that people throw out there a little bit. But I truly think, from a physical perspective, he could have competed in the NFL as a true as a freshman. Like I really do. I'm not saying that he would have went in there and been Dominated. a star and yeah. been a starter and done all that type type of stuff. But I'm saying he would have been drafted in the NFL and he would have looked the part. Like he would have belonged in that conversation. And now he's going into his junior year, and I, I just saw him in person a, a couple months ago at the open spring practice, and, man, the kid is just physically put together. And I think the one thing that pops out most about Mayer is because he can do all the things that you talked about a little bit, right? Like he's an all-around kid where there's still improvement that needs to happen at the point of attack for, from a blocking perspective, but the the flashes are incredible, man. Like he has some in, insane flashes in the run game. He's got the big body stuff as a pass catcher that you really love. But the thing that doesn't – I think that people kind of undersell about him, Joe, in my opinion, is because of the body type is you would assume that he's a linear dude. But mm -hmm. I don't I don't think so. I think he runs routes, man. Like I think he's a really – one of the better route running tight ends I've seen come out in a couple of years. Like this kid is smooth, fluid, and gets in and out of breaks as well as anybody, especially at that size. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all in on Michael Mayer, man. I know there's going to be a Homer talk because there's an IB, uh, Irish breakdown flag behind me. Who but cares? The kid <laughs> is – I mean, what's the hole in him, man? What's the hole? Because people are going to say speed, but I think he's a 4.6-something kid. Like, I don't think right, he's if, slow. If, if he's 4.6.5, that's not slow. And then the added context – even if he's a 4.7 guy, the added context of him, he's not a vertical threat tight end. He is a, a possession tight end. He is a good route runner. He's got really, really nice hands. And he's a really good blocker. That's what you're getting with a guy like a Michael Mayer who is going to come in. He's going to add value to the run game. Like you said, I think watching him one-on-one, -on -one, like he looked 
didn't look great against my Jay Sanders, which one-on-one he's not going to dominate him, but he had some, uh, some mistakes with hand placement that I saw some mistakes with leverage, which led to him getting beaten these one-on-one reps, but I watch him chip guys when he's going, uh, you know, these, these chip blocks with, with help on a, on a tackle. And he's, he's completely knocking these guys off balance, which is what you want a tight end to do to completely disrupt a, a play like that. I almost at first was watching him and I, you know, I saw some of those mistakes in his, in his blocking and I'm, I'm thinking to myself like, man, he could really be better at this and better at that. But then I rem- reminded myself, this guy's a sophomore. He was a sophomore last year. He's going into his junior year to do some of the things that he does with his play strength, I think needs to be uh, properly uh, praised for, for his capability. Yeah, and you saw, I think the best part of his blocking right now is what he does in space, man. When he gets on linebackers, corners, safeties, like, I mean, he he puts people in caskets. Like, let's be, just be honest about I, it, man. I like, will say he is yeah. very aggressive downfield. The only thing I would just like him to stop doing is he tends to, and it's so easy to do that when you're the big kid and you're going after someone smaller than you, is just to try and go and start shoving guys downfield. Whenever he latches on to guys and starts driving them, yes, 100%. He's killing dudes. But I need, he just needs to stop doing the – you know what I'm talking about where he starts shoving guys like that? I feel like that doesn't do a whole lot. Yeah. No, no, I, I get I, – I think there's – Maybe a, I'm nitpicking. Maybe I'm nitpicking. No, I, mean, I mean a little bit, but it's not a big deal. I mean it's, it's a talking point for sure. I, I would say there's – blocking in space is naturally kind of a hard thing, right? So it's just kind of aiming points in space. Like it, it's tough. It gets tough sometimes. I'll say this. The only thing that <clears throat> I would really knock him, honestly, at this point is because I think that he's going to run the seam more than he did in the past because I think he's a good athlete. I think he's linearly f- sufficient, good in that area. I think he's a good route runner. I think he's really physical after the catch. I mean, the dude turns into an absolute mm. bulldozer after the catch. The one thing that I think that he needs to improve on a little bit outside the blocking, just get some hand placement and aiming points and how to attack leverage type of things, which will get better because he has every profile to do it. He does have some inopportune drops at times, and that's not a hand strength issue because, I mean, the kid, when he is fully dialed in, he's got great hands, man. Like nothing, like clamps it, highest point, extends extends for the football. All that stuff's good. There's just some times where – he gets a little antsy to turn out field a little too quick, and there's just a little bit of concentration drops. So that stuff can be can be fixed because I don't think it's an actual bad, ha- bad hands or bad in- hand-eye coordination type of thing. Mm-hmm. I think it's literally the kid turns into a bulldozer after the catch, so he's starting to try to start that process a little too quick. And stuff like that is like an experience and a, and a patience issue. And like you said, you can coach that out of guys. Uh, I, I agree on that point where I don't see it being like a hands issue, him having issues catching the football and securing the football. It's just mostly his patience in those situations. So, I mean, like we're sitting here and and I, I admit too that I did feel like at times I had to try and nitpick to find issues with him. And it's it was really hard to find issues for a guy that's going to be a junior this year. I mean, like how high would you draft a Michael Mayer like this? I mean, again, he's not, He's not a Kyle Pitts athlete. He's not going to be that fast. He's not going to be that explosive. Eric Gilbert might be, who we're going to talk about in a second. But how high are we drafting a guy like Michael Mayer? Is he a top 10 pick? Yes, I think so. He's different than Kyle Pitts, right? So he might not be a top five player in the class because, I mean, Kyle Pitts is going to be a perennial thousand-year receiver every single year just with the athleticism. But then when you talk about 
how they're going to what the role is going to be at the next level. You're also not going to ask Kyle Pitts to do some of the things that you're going to ask Michael Mayer to do. Like it's just yeah. not they're not, just not an apples to apples conversation. I would say this, Joe, the guy that pops in my head every time I watch Michael Mayer, little different, but I think from a role and projectability perspective, this is what I'm looking at here. Think the best version of Greg Olson when he was with the Carolina Panthers. Like that's why I see wow. a little bit, you know, like they are a lot smoother and a lot looser athletes than you would think because they're both, you know, pretty big dudes. And Greg Olson could break some tackles and he was a good blocker and he was a hands catcher. And there's, a, I even think that Michael Mayer has a higher upside as far as from a physical perspective. But when you look at the best of Greg Olson, I mean, he was a perennial thousand yard receiver. The difference between Pitts and Mayer is. I think that Michael Mayer can be a thousand yard tight end on the next level. Just the difference is it's going to take him 80 catches to do it as opposed to 60 catches that it's mm. going to take a Kyle Pitts to do it. Right. Like they're just a little bit fundamentally different, but if I guaranteed and I'm not, I'm, there's no guarantees in the NFL draft, but if I said to you right now that the best of Michael Mayer long-term is going to be what we got from Greg Olson when he was with the Panthers long-term, would you draft that player top 10? I think I would. Yeah. hundred percent. I, I would. Yeah. Well, because you're you're talking about having a guy that is going to be a, a really impactful receiver in your offense. You're not necessarily going to build an entire offense around him, but having those Gronkowskis, those Kelseys, having those options for your quarterback to dump the ball off to, even if it's just them running a drag route across the middle of the field, having an option like that, that reliability is what makes an offense move forward when it's not just requiring your wide receivers to be the options all the time, having that much of an impact where you know this guy is going to catch a football. But on top of that, he's an extension of the offensive line. Kyle Pitts can't do any of that stuff. Kyle Pitts not, is nowhere near the blocker. He's a receiver. He's a big receiver that they're playing in, the, in a tight end role. He's not going to chip guys the way that you see Michael Mayer doing it. So that impact as a blocker and the ability to develop even more as a blocker, those two things alone, I think, make him good enough to be without a doubt, a top 10 pick. I wouldn't be shocked if he falls out of the top 10 because we sat here last year saying that Kyle Hamilton deserves to be a top five pick and he goes 14 as the NFL always overthinks these guys. But regardless, right. top 10 pick, I, I think he certainly deserves it. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess my conversation piece is that he's a top 10 player in the class. Yeah. Like, I, will, will he be a top 10 pick? We'll see. We don't know what the board looks like. We don't know who takes steps forward, all that good conversation and context of the situation. All I know is that Michael Mayer's ready to play football in the NFL right yes. this second. Like, I don't need to see him play. He could be one of those rare players. We saw going from sophomore to junior, we saw Jamar Chase opt out, Penny Sewell opt out. And it didn't end up hurting them, really, in any regard. He's the same type of player. Like, Michael Mayer could miss his entire junior year for whatever reason, opt out or whatever the case might be, and you don't need to see another thing from him. Like, he's just that dude. And kind of like what you're saying is, yes, you're, you're, you're not you, you know, you're not going to ask Kyle Pitts to do the things that Michael Mayer does. Michael Mayer is also not going to be the tight end where you're going to ask him to play in the slot more than 50% of the time. You're not going to ask him to play, you know, in the boundary a decent amount as a wide. Like, he's not that true you know, outside type of tight end that can kind of displace, do the Darren Waller type of stuff, right? But right. as a inline tight ends, big slotted points, H back, there's so many mismatches that you can create, man. Like this, I, I really think this kid's going to be a high volume receiver at the next level. I think he's going to be a plus blocker. I think that he's going to be a physically demanding player on the next level. So I'm all in on Michael Mayer, man. Top 10 player in this class. 
I wouldn't be surprised if he takes another step forward if he's a top five player in this class for me. Again, probably won't go top five in the draft just because tight ends don't usually typically go there, but he's a fantastic football player. There's no doubt. Now, the other guy that we're going to talk about here is strictly all projection because in 2020 at LSU, Eric Gilbert was really, really freaking good. He was fantastic. He was dominant. He was a bright spot on an offense that was terrible in 2020. And he has all of these, not off the field issues, but some need, a a need to take a step back and you don't fully know what's going on in some of these players' lives. So there's no judgment there. There is some weight issues and he ends up at Georgia. And I feel like we didn't even fully know if Eric Gilbert was actually going to ever play football again or what, what the deal is with that. And suddenly he's being thrusted in the conversation competing for tight end one with Michael Mayer. Now, I don't think that's fair to do to Mayer, nor do I feel like that's that's fair from an evaluation standpoint to give a guy a nod who we haven't even seen, seen play football in a year. But there is a lot of freaking stuff to get excited about watching Eric Gilbert, Ryan. But we need to go over the the the, the issues outside of football, though. Yep. Can you share or shed some of the light? Because I know that you've definitely done a lot of research on a guy like this. Yeah, I mean, so he's a five-star recruit, f- fantastic player going to LSU, like you said. He ends up transferring after the loan season. He goes to Georgia. And it was kind of, I remember a, a huge talking point in the preseason because he was listed as a wide receiver on the roster. And you're just kind of like, huh? He's playing wide receiver Way now. Way too like, big to be a wide receiver. <laughs> and at that point, he was listed at like 6'5", 245, 250, somewhere in that ballpark. Well, he steps away from the game. You don't really ever get clear car- clarification why, but he misses the entire year because of personal reasons. He's kind of working through or whatever. Apparently, the the conversation comes out this offseason that at one point, or he showed up to Georgia, it sounds like, at about 300 pounds, man. And again, he was playing at LSU, and if you saw him, I mean, he was a slender-looking kid, so he was probably 245, 250 at that point. So he gained a lot of weights. What reasons? I don't know. I'm not going to speculate. I don't know what the reasons were. But he goes there. He's obviously too big. He's obviously out of shape. Maybe that goes in the conversation for missing the season. I don't know. All I know is that he comes into Georgia this year. He's right around 265. He played in their their G-Day game, which is their spring game. And I watched some of the highlights from the G-Day game because, again, you're going back to 2020 LSU film, and that's pretty much all you have. So I went and I looked at some of the Georgia spring game highlights. He looks better. It looks I would say it's 265. Like He looks massive. He does look massive. Like He looks like a true tight end. But the thing is still, Joe, you're in an offense now where, <coughs> excuse me, Brock Bowers is an All-American tight end. Mm-hmm. Darnell Washington is another tight end that was a really high recruit for them. That's a 6'7", 265-pound kid. And then you have Gilbert. So there's a logjam at tight end. So it appears, again, that Gilbert is going to play more of a wide receiver role. He's going to play in the slot a ton. He's going to play out wide. He's going to kind of be that big slot hybrid type of big slot, you know, tight end type of hybrid or whatever. So... I think I think that he's going to have a big season. I do because I think that he's a mismatch weapon. I think he has length. I think he's got a big body. I think he's a really good athlete for the position. But there is, and but obviously that's projection. And then you're completely projecting. Well, at the next level, is he going to play any in line? Because we haven't really seen him block at all. I mean, there's a lot mm. of fun stuff as a wide receiver and something you can get really excited about. And maybe the blocking stuff doesn't matter. But I mean, that's a huge wild card in the conversation right now. Yeah, I, I don't even 
he's got the build now to be a blocker and to provide some some impact as a blocker. I, and I wa- I remember I was watching those clips from 2020. I didn't do as much of a deep dive on film because like, you know, how much of an impact is it really to evaluate a guy off of his 2020 tape? But uh, you know, I saw somebody who I was thinking at 240 had room to add to his frame. He looked like he had a high schooler's body. He wasn't really that that physically developed. And it this is like a weird thought, but it it's it's as if him getting really fat and getting up to 230, I don't know how much he was working out. As if like it was uh, bodybuilders the way that they train is that they bulk and then they cut. So they overconsume, they get way too big and then they cut down. And it's almost like he inadvertently did that. And I, again, I don't know how much he was working out. It's almost like he wasn't paying attention to how much he was weighing. He got really, really freaking big, and he had the body type to do it. And then the coaches were like, you need to lose some weight, and now he's down to 265. And I think that's maybe why he's so freaking rocked up now because I immediately after watching the freshman year clips, I put on those spring game clips that you did, and I'm like, holy crap, he's like double the size and he's not really that fat. Like, And I, no. I know that you can say that he maybe needs to lose a little bit of weight. The commentators were saying that in the game. But seeing what he does fluidly, fluidly as an athlete, the way that he's able to move, run routes, when he was 240, I mean, I would, would not be shocked if this is a 4-4 kid. Like he was really that fast. And maybe he is used a little bit more as a receiver. He can move, and I, I wonder maybe does he need to get down a little bit lower, but he's got the body type that you want in a tight end. It's just how does he fit into an offense that already has all of those guys that you mentioned? Yeah, it's it's just an imperfect comparison between him and Michael Mayer. If he hits his ceiling, then him and Michael Mayer are very different players, right? Like he's more a Kyle Pitts mold of a tight end. Like that's more of he's a move piece. He's going to play multiple spots. Like that's going to be kind of his thing. It's going to be fascinating, though, because immediately, and this is this is speculation for a second because you don't know the full truth. My first thought is, why are you 300 pounds? Why did that happen, right? And people are going to talk about that, and I don't know if that was just a laziness thing. I don't know if it was a maturity thing. I don't know if there was some mental, you know, the, the mental illness side of things. I, I don't know. Like that's a, That part is purely speculation on my part. But you can bet your butt that people are going to ask the question. They're going to say, mm-hmm. Eric, so why did you opt out? Why were you 300 pounds? Is that true? Like, why, 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 why did that happen type of thing, right? And it can be unfair, but it also can be fair at points, right? Because that is a red flag that you have to work through a little bit. Regardless of that, though, just the player in the vacuum. If he hits the ceiling, he's a potential first-round player. It, it's it, yes, as a just a pure receiver, body type, hands, route running upside, athleticism, impact as a pass receiver. He's the first round type of player. It could happen, but there is projection, and there are questions that need to be answered. It's just point blank to it. And I going into this, admittedly watching him, I I set low expectations for myself. I didn't really know what I was going to expect, but I got a lot more excited once I actually got to see what he was capable of. I think the projection is fair. You know, it's I think it's fair to say that if he does hit, this is somebody who should be a first round pick. It kind of reminds me, as you're saying, it's a weird comparison between Mayer and Gilbert. It reminds me of when we had that Hawkinson Fant class because Hawkinson and Fant were so completely different. It's hard to really you know, pinpoint who really fits better because one's more of a receiver. One of them's a multi-impact tight end. Yeah. 
But the thing that does get tricky is once we know for sure, and I'm sure it'll come out during the postseason, coming into the the combine, and when there's actually people who've done the the real digging on what had happened there. I, I think that once we know, until we know for sure, you have to really say to yourself, it's not. It doesn't make sense to project this guy as a top 15 pick, even if he has a, an insane season. It's difficult to project this guy's top 15 pick because what if this is like a Jamarcus Russell who shows yeah. up to camp and he's 300 pounds one year because he was, you know, he was distracted, but maybe it was just a mental health thing. Maybe it was something that he was struggling off the field and why he put on the weight. There's just too many variables, which makes it a tough projection for a guy like that. Yeah, and I'm glad that you said the mental health because I think I accidentally said mental illness, and I, I think that's a good thing to just clarify for a second. I wasn't saying that he had mental illness. I'm saying if there was a mental health issue because we know that it can be daunting being a college athlete. Like It's not an easy thing, right? So just to not want to sound insensitive, I apologize right. if I did. But yeah, I, I think that there's – this is going to be a classic. He's a first-round caliber talent. Can he hit his ceiling as a player? That's the first question we need to answer. And then after that, it's the question of, how much do you want this, right? Like, is this a long-term thing that you really want? And and can you, you know, can you take the actions necessary to get it? I mean, there's there's going to be a conversation piece. Like I said, I mean, there, we see guys every year that drop further than they should based upon talent because there's some question mark on on the field or, I mean, off the field or, or whatever it might be. So there's a question to be answered for Eric Gilbert for now. I'm excited to see him get back on a football field because I think he's going to be a really, really good player for Georgia. I mean, him and him combining with Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington, it's the best. If you if you want to phrase Gilbert as a wide receiver, you can. But I mean, no, no. like, let's be honest, he's a tight end, and that's a crazy right. tight end room. I'm I'm laughing because I'm just thinking of how good they're going to make Stetson Bennett look, and I can't I can't wait for the the people to come out of the woodwork and talk yeah. about him as a possible prospect. It's going to happen, man. It's going to happen. <laughs> you know what it reminds me of, Joe? I remember that uh, that Miami Hurricanes team, like the 2001 team. I think they had Jeremy Shockey, Kellen Winslow yes. Jr., and like that's what it is right now, man. Because you had wait, was it Greg Olson there? Greg Olson, may have, he may have been. Might have been an underclassman. He might previously have been at Notre, Previously at Notre Dame, I need to look that up. Yeah, yeah, he might have been on the tail end of the roster. You may be very well. Um, you may be right about that. So, I mean, you have a guy in Eric Gilbert who, if he hits a ceiling, oh uh, no, it was 2000, 2007 was when he came out. So that okay, so yeah, he was he was off the roster at that point. Then um, he may have been he may have overlapped with Winslow for one year. Then, but either way, it's still a crazy trend of tight ends that were there at Miami, but. I mean, literally on this roster right now, you might have Eric Gilbert if he plays to his to his talent and he answers all the field concerns, maybe a first round pick. Brock Bowers this time next year, we'll be talking about as a potential first round pick. And Darnell Washington is going to play football on the NFL level, and he he's a draftable type player at six seven two sixty five. So crazy tight end room that Georgia has right now. Yeah, going to be really excited to see what Eric Gilbert and that Georgia offense do this upcoming season. We're also going to be very eagerly watching Michael Mayer and how good he could be in this likely final season of playing for the Fighting Irish. Folks, thanks for tuning in at Joe DeLeon, at Rise and Draft, at NFL Prospects Pod, and the Hack City YouTube channel. Be sure to hit that subscribe button. We'll be back for more later in the week.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.